What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hot Seat. I'm your host, John Zuccarello. With me today, we have Mike, the draft day trader, Gianetti. And joining us from his private island in the South Pacific is the million-dollar man, Jimmy Andahazy. What's up, guys? How y'all doing today? Doing pretty good there, buddy. How's the yacht, pal? Oh, it's lovely. <laughs> so, all right. You- all right, guys. So, a couple live drafts this weekend, you know. I think we all went in with pretty good draft strategies. You know, everybody had a plan. Next thing you know, it's five or six picks into the draft, and everything went to hell. You know, it's this, uh, you know, draft against live people. Things, things go wacky. You know, what, what were some of the things you guys took away from the draft rooms you were in this weekend? Well, for sure, one of the things that I learned is that you need to really pay attention to uh, the needs of the other teams that are around you. You know, when you're when you're drafting down towards the end, especially if you decide that you want to wait on quarterback or tight end, uh, it's really easy to take a look. Like, let's say you're drafting third or fourth and you're in, like, say, the seventh round uh, going in the one direction. You can tell how many teams have drafted that quarterback or how many teams have drafted that tight end or, you know, is one team really heavy with running backs. You can kind of predict where their picks are going to go. And that can kind of make you decide, like, should I go with the quarterback now or should I wait one more round? You know, and in certain cases, you're going to end up you're going to end up with with a quarterback later around later than you, you know, probably uh, probably wanted to draft him. And that's a good thing because you're going to end up getting a better running back, a better wide receiver that can help your team and, and help with your depth. Yeah, absolutely. If you if you need a player that everybody around a position that everybody around you is already drafted, you could wait a little bit longer and then build your depth a little bit better. That's a, that's, that's a great thing to take around because you, you don't really get that to a mock draft because everybody's doing their own thing. They're not really building for a league. They're just kind of seeing what players go where. Yeah. So that's, that's a great point to make there, Mike. A lot of people don't look at the other teams. They only pay. There's, they're so tunnel vision on their own roster and their, their own construction. They don't really pay attention to what's around them. Right. You know, the other thing that I, I, uh, I kind of took away from this week, you know, I, I, I kind of have a reputation uh, within a lot of my leagues. Kind of? Yeah. yeah. You know, so, uh, you know, one year that, you know, I was accused of, of cheating and it, it was found out that it wasn't cheating because it wasn't technically against the rules. So <laughs> it's, it's, always, <laughs> it's always a gray area with me and that's the way it should be. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, if you're not trying, uh, you know, if you're not if you're not cheating, you're not trying anyway, regardless, uh, you know, at draft day, this is I, I kind of mentioned last week. I think uh, John actually mentioned last week that you want to throw out the fake news. You want to throw out um, some deception out there so that other other, you know, players are, are kind of off their game. Well, I, I wanted to bring up a really specific example of that. Uh, you know, if you're a commissioner, it might be slightly questionable to do something like this, but uh, definitely as a regular player, you know, I have my particular list. I have a, a, a cheat sheet that I like to use from either a specific site or I build it myself and I move players around on it and uh, I organize it in a way that, that I enjoy, that I like, and uh, that I think is going to be, you know, maximize the value for me. And what I do, what I don't like is going to say like a big site like Yahoo or ESPN, especially ESPN, and just printing out a top 200 and using that because nine times out of 10, the players on that list are either not updated. 
I mean, I guarantee you right now, if you went to ESPN and printed out a top 200, you wouldn't see, uh, you know, some of the, the newer players like Adrian Peterson, who was just signed. He won't be on the top two. I mean, he probably shouldn't be on the top 200 anyway, but uh, that's a different story altogether. What I'm trying to say is, is that they're, they're usually not up to date. They're usually not very accurate and they usually overvalue certain players. I think we had a conversation about Josh Gordon being overvalued in a lot of the, you know, the big CBS Yahoo uh, ESPN leagues as far as rankings are concerned and it's it's a big advantage to have uh, a better list than all the other guys and if you get a guy who comes unprepared to a draft and says hey who has a top 200 list that I could borrow hey I have one right here and you hand him the one that you don't like uh, I'm not saying that he's not necessarily going to use it incorrectly but it's definitely a, a step in the right direction and uh, is it cheating no no, I just don't expect a wedding present from that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm all for the deception at the draft. I mean, we all do our homework. If you didn't do your homework, you don't come prepared. Shame on you. I mean, this is just speaking from the league that one of the leagues that we're all in together. This is our 19th season. You know, right. if if you're going to come to a draft where guys have been drafted, pretty much. The core group of guys have been together for 19 years. We know everybody's tricks. We know everybody's, you know, tendencies. If you're going to come unprepared to that, then you deserve whatever whatever comes your way at that draft. Right, Jimmy? Oh, I completely agree because that's my first thought too. My first takeaway is not only having a game plan, you got to be prepared when you're coming in, which also means you need to know your league's rules. I mean, how many times <laughs> over the last few years do you have people going, uh, we could still draft two tight ends, right? No, we've never been able to draft, you know, you've never been able to start, rather, two tight ends. Uh, last night, same thing happens again. Guys asking, oh, this is PPR, right? Listen, if you're going into your PPR draft with a non-PPR, you know, sheet, they're not going to match up. They're not going to make any sense, and you're going to be drafting the wrong people. That is exactly, exactly what I'm trying to say. If you're going to a PPR draft, okay, bring your PPR cheat sheet, print out a top 200 of standard scoring leagues, and pass it out to all your league mates that didn't bring one because that is shame on them, exactly what you just said. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Like, it just be prepared in general. Like, for not, not knowing the league rules of the league that you're drafting, that's just inexcusable, in my opinion. I mean, we're in round five yesterday, and somebody hits on the message board, this is PPR, right? Like, and this isn't a guy that just got in this league. He's been in the league a couple of years. So what do you mean this is PPR? So, John and I are the newbies. Yeah. You, you, you got to – absolutely right, Jimmy. You got to show up on draft day and, and know your stuff. Be prepared. But, you know, if you're not and you mess up your draft, that doesn't mean your season's over. So my last piece, my last takeaway, and this is partly from experience last year, and I'm hoping from experience this year because when I got punched in the mouth, I, I didn't recover for a couple of rounds. And, you know, but it doesn't mean you can't, you can't place in the playoffs. It doesn't mean you can't place in money. If you have a bad draft, you just need to pay attention to the wa- waiver wires. You've got to manage your team week to week. You know, know which players on your team are going to have good matchups. Make those your, your starters for that week. Um, don't rely on the projections for whatever league you're looking into. You're going to have to do some research and and look at the defenses and the matchups. So if you're really interested in winning the league and being competitive, then your day doesn't have to end on draft day. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to take it one step further from you there, Jimmy. Like you're talking waiver wire, you know, 
starting your optimal lineup. You know, you, you always want to do that stuff, but don't be afraid. It, your first round pick, right? He's usually going to be a stud. I mean, sometimes you get a guy that overreaches and, you know, some guys are busts or some guys get hurt. But if you have a star player and the rest of your team's kind of middling at best, don't be afraid to try to turn that star player into debt into a lot of players that you could start. If you could turn Julio Jones into two starting running backs, and I'm not talking about Todd Gurley's or Melvin Gordon type running backs, but there's a couple of middle round guys that you could turn Julio Jones into where now you're getting points at multiple positions instead of points at one position and a bunch of zeros. Don't be afraid to do that either. Work your team, work your roster. Like if you screwed it up on draft day, don't be afraid to just completely tear it down and rebuild it through trades and that drops, right? Absolutely. I, I am a huge proponent of trading. And for every, uh, for every five trades I do, I would, I would say that only one of them is, is, uh, is, a, win for, is a win for me. Um, you know, hence my nickname at the beginning of the show, I, I traded away the first overall pick and, uh, did it work out? I, I would say that it was probably a wash as far as the trade is concerned, but in the, in the long run, I lost because my entire goal of making the trade didn't work. So don't be afraid to make the trade though, because if it does work, if it does hit and you hit that sweet spot, oh man, it's, it feels good. And don't be afraid to spend money on free agents. Don't be afraid to drop guys that aren't doing anything. If you want to be the guy who picks up the next Alvin Kamara because he wasn't drafted in a number of leagues last year, okay, be speculative. Go out and get those next players. Try and be ahead of the curve. Get those yeah. guys on your team before they break out. And don't be if you if you've noticed the guy or you had the guy on your watch list for the draft and he didn't get drafted, he's still sitting out there. Don't be too attached to the bottom feeders on your team. Go out and get that guy. Go get that guy that's going to be a start. It's, those are that's where you win your leagues getting those guys before anybody else can get their hands on them. You know, it, it kind of takes me into a, 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 one of the things I took away from the draft. So we're noticing a trend in fantasy football, the NFL in general, leading into fantasy football, it's a passing league. You know, everybody wants to, when they draft their, their top running back, they're, they're, they're sweating it out. They're going crazy. We did a whole segment a couple of weeks ago on it called cuff or no cuff. They want to cuff that running back. Well, how about Antonio Brown or Odell Beckham? or DeAndre Hopkins, those guys are – you're drafting them as a top point scorer on your team. It's not – handcuffs aren't only for running backs anymore. You can go out there and draft an Antonio Brown, and if the price is right, grab Juju Smith-Schuster. Or in, a, in extreme situations where you, you draft Alshon Jeffrey from the Eagles, and you don't know what's going on with this guy, but you want that production. If he's there, he's going to be a top-end receiver for you. But you don't know what's going on with that injury situation. Don't be afraid to grab Nelson Aguilar so that way you're insulated from that, that pick turning into a bust if he is hurt. You've, you've insulated yourself a little bit. We had a situation in our draft this weekend where a guy took Marquise Lee. Literally 16 minutes later, Marquise Lee takes a helmet to the knee. And as that's happening and they're announcing that, this guy's walking up to the draft board and putting D.D. Westbrook's sticker on there. He's like, well, I don't know what's going on with him, but I'm not going to take the chance that – I don't have something from that production. It was a so, great move. It was, yeah. it was really good that he did that. And it, it, it almost, it basically proves your theory. Yeah. So don't handcuffs aren't only for your top five running backs. You, you know, you don't only need to cuff, you know, Todd Gurley and Alvin Kamara, or any of those guys anymore. Like your first round pick, if you want to cuff them, you know, and the price is right. We have, I can't stress that enough though. If the price is right, you don't want to go out there and overpay 
for a guy that may or may not be in your roster on your in your starting lineup at all throughout the season. But it's a good insurance policy to have if if you can pay the right price, get that insurance policy. And another thing that I saw a lot of this week, and I saw people drafting position. We we got into this a little bit last week, but I saw people drafting positions because they thought that was the position to take. Like, all right, well, I already have a good running back, so I'm going to go with a good receiver, even though I might not like that receiver. Don't be afraid to draft, to build strength on top of strength. Don't be afraid if you have two stud running backs in the first two rounds. Yo, if there's another running back sitting out there, don't be afraid to take them because you know what? By week three, somebody's going to be knocking on your door trying to get that third running back that they were killing you for taking in the third round instead of going over to receiver. Build strength on strength. Running back position especially is so questionable year in or year out because of the pounding that these guys take. It, if, if you have a roster limit of five running backs, why wouldn't you have five running backs on your, on your roster at all times? And if you have to carry five, why not carry five of the best you can carry? Yeah, it makes yeah, perfect sense. Go ahead, John, or uh, Jimmy. Yeah, John, you bring up a really good point there. You, know, you got to help you know, us a little bit with, with some of these things. You have you know, running back by committees that are not uncommon, but you know, what you're talking about is trying to build running, you know, running back depth in a league which some of the situations are just incredibly unclear. You, you don't know who you're supposed to be taking if you're getting them at the good value. You know, it, I think this is a, it's a good opportunity to sort of jump in with, you know, helping on us, our listeners, ourselves, think about, you know, for some of these, some of these situations which are extremely unclear, you know, who should we be taking? Should we be taking anybody at all? So I, here's what I like to do. I'm going to pick some teams here. I'm going to kick it over to, to one of you guys and let's set, shed some lights on, on some situations. Sound good? Sounds yeah. great. Let's do it. All right, let's do let's do Detroit. Who wants to go for us? How about you, Mike? Yeah, I'm in. You know, when you look at Detroit's backfield, you're looking at a lot of running backs. Uh, right now, currently, Amir Abdullah is the starter. He's been there for a couple of years. Uh, he did face a humongous injury about uh, two or three years ago, uh, where you know I, I believe he tore his Achilles. But he's back. He's healed. He played most of the season last season. It was a bit underwhelming at times. Um, I would still consider him to be an injury risk. And you have a really hot rookie that uh, the Detroit Lions picked up in the draft this year. Uh, his name is Carrion Johnson. And, uh, I mean, with a name like Carrion, I, I, quite frankly, I, I think he's perfectly suited for his job. He's been really doing a great job in the preseason. He's, he's you know, been hitting the hole hard. He runs through tackles. Uh, he takes contact well. Um, I like the way he holds on to the ball. Uh, there's, there's just, man, he passes the eyeball test. Uh, they also signed a big free agent, LeGarrette Blunt, this year. And, uh, you know, I mean, they haven't really been using him that much in the preseason. I don't know if that's because of his age or if it's uh, an indication of the amount of use that they're going to have, uh, you know, that they're going to use him as more of a change of pace slash finish out the game type of situation. He, he only played in the fourth quarter of uh, the preseason game against the Bucks. So, uh, and the giant and the giants too. He only had a couple carries late against the giants too. Right. Right. I, you know, when I look at, uh, now those are just, now those are three guys and none of them catch passes. You're still talking about Theo Riddick, who's the pass catching back 
you know, he he's basically only useful in PPR leagues at this point. I wouldn't draft Theo Riddick in a standard league. And uh, I wouldn't say that he's a good starter in a PPR league. I'd probably use him as a flex. So at this point, the way I look at it, I, I even did a little research on Detroit, considering I've, I've, I drafted a couple. I ended up drafting Carryon Johnson in one of my leagues this weekend. Uh, you know, Amir Abdullah is is right now on the trade block. Uh, and I, I don't know if that's actually going to get done, but it's definitely not a good thing when you're talking about trading a, a running back who's currently your starter. It, it doesn't show a lot of confidence in him. And quite frankly, I, I just kind of feel like at this point, if you're going to keep starting him, then fine. Start Amir Abdullah in the second week. He'll probably get injured and they'll bring in the rookie and let him run all over, uh, run all over every opponent that they have. I think LeGarrette Blunt is, is, you know, he's, he's on the wrong end of it. And I just kind of feel like he'll be a change of pace. He'll be at the red zone. Uh, you know, he might catch a ball or two here or there in the red zone. Uh, but I, I just don't see him having a really solid role. Uh, and at this point, I mean, Amir Abdullah has been in, in the preseason just unspectacular. He had two fumbles against the Giants. Both of them were recovered by Detroit. He had 4.1 yards per carry so far over the course of the season um, where, uh, the preseason, meanwhile, carry on Johnson's at like 6.8, I think over the course of three games. And, and Abdul has been taking a lot of snaps in preseason. I think that they're really trying to show other teams, a lot of tape on Abdullah so they can find a, a partner. So at this point, the only guy that I'm drafting from Detroit is carry on Johnson. And, uh, he's just been rising and rising and rising. I think I took him in the fifth round in a draft this, uh, this weekend i wouldn't suggest going that high i would try and wait a little longer if you can but you're gonna have to take the uh you know pull the pulse of your league at that point so basically what i'm what i'm looking at with detroit is this weekend you know i think we both had a couple of drafts all three of us had a couple of drafts um saw carry on johnson get drafted i saw theo riddick get drafted i saw garrett blunt get drafted i didn't see the guy that's actually number one on the depth chart get drafted by anyone yeah amir abdullah for the few times that he's actually shown what kind of back he can be, it hasn't been nearly enough, especially not nearly enough to waste a draft pick on. Uh, like you said, Theo Riddick, I like Theo Riddick as a, as a PPR guy, a deep leg guy. You know, he's a guy that's going to get you some touchdowns. He's going to have a ton of receptions. That's, that's, that's his job. He's actually the only guy on this team right now that I think has a defined role. Right. And it's crazy. You don't have a starter. You don't have a goal line back, but you do have a third down back. Right. Detroit, in my opinion, is just com- is completely jumbled. There's too many, too many mouths in that backfield right now. Whether Legarrette Blunt isn't playing the preseason because they don't think he could play, or you know he's an older back, is it a preservation thing? We don't know. There's been nothing out of Lions camp that's you know given him the vote of confidence or said, man, well you know this guy's probably going to be available. They haven't tried to trade him, not that we've heard. Yeah, so it's the the situation there. Mike, I mean, carry on Johnson. I, I agree with you, but at this point, with his, he's the darling of every fantasy analyst on on the block right now. So his draft stock is just rising, and when stock rises, your price rises. So then you kind of wonder, you know, it was a third or fourth round, maybe too much to pay for a guy where there's three other guys ahead of him right now, technically on the depth chart. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, that's a murky situation there. It's ruining his value for sure. I mean, Carry on Johnson in the eighth round is is was looking really really good. Uh, you're definitely it, it looks like less of a dice roll when you're drafting him that late. But when you start drafting him in the fourth fifth round, 
you know, you're, you're basically banking on him eventually taking that job. And when I say eventually, I mean like week two. So unless, uh, unless you're just completely drafting for the next season, if you're drafting a guy in fourth or fifth round, he's got to be a starter. He's got to be either one of your core position players or your number one flex guy. Like we're talking fifth round, you know, we're not talking for backups here. Right. Exactly. So so Johnny, let's talk about a, another sort of complex situation we have in Indy. We have, uh, you know, Marlon, Marlon Mack looked like he's dealing with some some hamstring issues. Robert Turbin's there, Turbin's there. Naheem Hines, Jordan Wilkins, some rookies in the mix, and maybe even Kristen Michael. So, so help us figure out Indy. All right, so I'm not sure I figured out Indy, but, I mean, you look at this situation in Indy, you got Robert Turbin suspended for the first couple games of the season. Marlon Mack, who looked to be the starting guy, is now dealing with the hamstring issue. We don't know how serious it is. It could be a day-to-day thing. But if there's one thing we know from hamstring issues is they linger. And you can't put a timetable on them, especially with running backs, because you could be feeling great, and then he goes out there and tries to get that second burst through the second level of the defense, and there it goes again. So Marlon Mack, I, I don't know, unless you have him deep, deep in your league, I think I stay away from Marlon Mack. Jordan Wilkins and Nineen Hines, you know, two impressive rookies coming into, coming into the preseason. Neither one of them can hold on to the ball. It's just it, – you're not going to hand off to a rookie that can't carry the ball. It, it's, it's, their value is taking hit after hit with every time the, the ball hits the turf. So right now, I feel like if you're drafting a running back from the Indianapolis Colts that you want to start on your team in week one, if that's how hard, you, hard off you are at running back, I think the guy you're going to go with until the situation clears up a little bit is Christian Michael. And I know that sounds crazy. Christian Michael's always been the guy that – came in after the guy and then lost his job to the guy that was after him. But right now, I don't know if there's a guy after him. I think Christian Michael is going to get some quality looks, going to get some quality time. And if you get time and you take advantage of that time, you know, you keep getting it. You keep getting the opportunities. So I think Christian Michael is probably the only guy that's right now, maybe Marlon Mack, if this injury situation gets cleared up, but I'm staying away from the rookies and Maybe keeping Robert Turbin on my scout team till till he comes off. Let's be honest. If Christian Michael's showing great and Marlon Mack's going good like he did at the end of last year, Robert Turbin's probably going to get shipped on somewhere else. So, yeah, I, you know when it, when I look at Indianapolis, I see a bad offensive line. I see a quarterback that's having injury issues right now. I mean, not only his shoulder, but now we're, we're seeing that uh, he injured his foot apparently. Uh, So, you know, we're talking about a team that offensively is just looking really defective. And yeah, if I, I, if I can cut in with you for for one second, the one thing that I have seen with Andrew Luck is it doesn't look like he trusts his body yet. It's one thing that I've seen. Andrew Luck doesn't look like he's 100% sure he wants to, he, he can be on the field yet. I agree. I, I, I haven't seen him throw a strike. I haven't seen him throw a deep pass. I'm, I'm concerned. And with that concern, I'm concerned about the running backs as well. I, I think it is, it is so hard to figure out who that guy is going to be. And when you tell me that Christian Michael is – I mean, the only thing I like about what you just said with Christian Michael is that when you draft Christian Michael, it is in the last round of a draft. If you feel like you need to take a flyer on an Indianapolis running back, that's probably the one to do it with only because you can draft him in the last round. And when it works, 
you look like a genius. And when it doesn't work, whatever you, you drafted him in the 18th round. You know, I, I get nervous with Marlon Mack because you're talking about a guy who might end up being like a sixth, seventh round pick. And, and I don't know. I I'm, I'm very nervous about hamstring injuries. I'm very nervous about the offensive line. I mean, Indianapolis is a backfield that I've been trying to stay away from for, for a couple of years now. And, uh, you know, I think I'm going to keep to that trend. All right. So Mike, talk to us about Tampa Bay a little bit. We have, uh, you know, Peyton Barber, Jaquise Rogers, a rookie there that I think they were, they were hoping would do some good things. So, uh, I think, uh, Sims goes out injured. So what's going on there? Well, for one thing, Charles Sims goes down with a season-ending injury. I think his career is probably over at this point. I mean, he's literally just not been able to stay healthy. He's not going to be back. I think we're we're done with that. Uh, and the guy who's probably going to take his role and the benefit from him going out is Jaquiz Rogers, who may have been on the roster bubble. Um, at this point, Peyton Barber, it looks to me – like he has solidified his role. He's been awesome. 5.3 yards per carry in the preseason uh, against Detroit the other night. He had 34 yards and a touchdown on only five carries. That's 6.8 yards per carry. Peyton Barber has looked very, very good. And I know that they gave him an opportunity last year in five games, and he took those opportunities and, and you know, turned them into almost 400 yards. So uh, I definitely think that Peyton Barber is going to have, uh, a, you know, he's going to have the job. He is a lock, stock, and barrel, solid number one running back. I don't think it's a committee. Ronald Jones has not looked good. I think he had one catch for 35 yards that, that did look good. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be the pass-catching uh, back. Uh, Jaquiz Rogers is a, is a small, I mean, the definition of a scat back, right? Uh, you know, he played that role in Atlanta. He played that role again for Tampa Bay. Um, I, I actually like Jaquiz Rogers. He was a, a really good free agent pickup last year when uh, basically the entire backfield for Tampa Bay uh, fell into a, a well. Um, and he, he actually did a pretty good job. I mean, they, they didn't have another choice, but I think Peyton Barber looks really strong this year. Um, I'm, I'm definitely willing to draft Barber as uh, as one of the few bell cow backs out there. I don't think it's as muddy as it looks. I think he is the number one. The problem is, how good is the team going to be? Are they going to get a chance to run the ball? That's where I start to to get trepidatious about Tampa Bay and their running game. When a, when a team looks like it's not going to be in a good you know in in a good situation when they play against really tough defenses like they're going to be fa- like Tampa Bay will be facing. Uh, in the South there, when you go against New Orleans, when you go against Atlanta, when you go against Carolina, we're talking about, you know, three really good defenses down there. I just, uh, I get nervous that, yes, he's going to have the opportunity, but will he really have the opportunity? If if they're going to be behind, they're not going to be running the ball. They're going to be throwing the ball. So that's the only thing that concerns me with Tampa. So to expand on your point with Tampa not being in the great, greatest situation right now, the one thing Tampa does have working in its favor is they have a, a very good defense. And what do you tend to do when you have a very good defense? You try to control the clock. How do right. you control the clock? You got to run the ball. You run the ball. You get first downs. You string together 10, 12, 13, 14 play drives. You work the clock. You try to get some points and let your def- keep your defense fresh. And when they're on the field, you have them get, get you the ball back three and out style. So Peyton, Peyton Barber's going to get the opportunity to run the ball, I think. 
I, especially the first couple of weeks with Ryan Fitzpatrick behind taking snaps for them. I don't see them putting the game in his hands. I see them trying to ride the running game. So I think there's going to be opportunities for Peyton Barber. I think there's going to be opportunities for Ronald Jones, even though he hasn't proven that he deserves them yet. They have so much invested in him and they really want him to take the job. The thing with Peyton Barber that kind of scares me off is for the last couple of years, he's had opportunities. Doug Martin's been a question for the last couple of years in Tampa. He's out the door now. So you figure, all right, it's Peyton Barber's time. They draft the rookie. All right, well, Peyton Barber can show the rookie how to do it. But wait, no, Charles Sims is going to be the starter. Charles Sims suffers yet another injury out for the season, probably most likely looking for an analyst job somewhere if he could find one. But Peyton Barber seems to be, for some reason, a forgotten factor with the front office and the coaching staff in Tampa. It seems like whenever he's out there, he performs. But they're always willing to just give the ball and the, and the touches to somebody else. It, it, he, was, he was dealing with injuries last year uh, himself. Which, uh, and, is also, and, which is also another mark on his, you know. Right, against. It, it, yeah. It's, it's a negative. But, I mean, the one, like I said, the one thing I can say for sure is, yes, Jaquiz Rogers was the starter for a, a long period of time after Doug Martin went down. And that was because Charles Sims was out. Yep. Peyton Barber was out. Like I said, they all fell down a well. I don't know. Like they went on a bus trip and they, they were like the, the Chinese kids that wandered off into the cave. Like that's, I don't know what they were doing, but that they were gone. So Jaquiz Rogers comes in as a, as a walk on free agent in the middle of the season and, and literally ran away with that job for most and of what's, the season. And what's to say that doesn't happen again with Jaquiz Rogers well, this year? You we'll know, that's, see. That's you know, why that Tampa situation to me is so scary because, like, first off, it should be Barber's job but it seems like they just don't want to commit to him. Jaquiz Rogers has always had the chip on his shoulder where I'm not a starter. Well, in my mind, I am. So if you give me the chance, I'm going to grab onto that and not let go. He's had that mindset his entire career. And every time he's gotten the opportunity, he's held on to it for long chunks of time, which could also hurt Barber's, or Barber's value. It could also hurt Ronald Jones's value. Other, like Ronald Jones has done more damage to his own draft stock than, than any outside factor this year. I will agree with you there. But at the same time, I think, I think there's just three guys that in, on that team right now that are all vying for touches, and I'm just not sure I want to deal with any of that, especially, like you said, on a team like Tampa. Like, the opportunity is going to be there because I think they're going to try to ride the running game for the first couple of weeks while Winston's suspended. But, I mean, I just don't see any of these guys really exploding onto the scene and be like, man, yeah, you know, Peyton Barber, that's the guy, you know. What was it called? Well, what, was the, what was the guy from Cleveland a bunch of years back? Um, Peyton Hillis. You know, all of a sudden he comes out of nowhere, thousand yard back, never to be seen or heard from again. You know, it, are we going to get that kind of p- production out of Peyton Barber for a season? If you do and you drafted him, that's good. That's good for you. I just don't see that happening. All right. So what we're saying is it's somewhat clear, but not really in Tampa Bay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Johnny, let's, uh, let's, go, let's go to one of my favorite places to talk about. Uh, because every year I end up with one of these guys going in the draft day knowing I do not want to take any of these guys, and it burns me every year, and it's probably going to burn me again. Let's go to New England, where we have, you know, right right now sitting on their, their official depth chart, something like seven or eight running backs that they're going to try to figure out. Just just take us through the top couple guys. You, you can literally fill an entire, an entire round in the draft with the number of running backs in New England's backfield, and they all get touches. It's New England – is one of those situations where I don't care how good the guy is, I'm staying away from everything New England. You know, Rex Burkhead is technically the starter, 
knee issue. Sony Michelle, first round pick, knee issue. You know, James White has proven he can be that third down change of pace guy. Always hurt. You know, you got Jeremy Hill. Right? Come on, Jeremy Hill. He's the goal line back. Oh, but we already have Mike Gillisley, goal line back. You can go on and on. You got Brandon Bolden, who's probably more on this roster for special teams than running. But somehow Brandon Bolden always ends up getting touches out of the backfield for New England. There's, there's, what was that? Six guys, five, six guys I just named right there. Yeah, six guys I just named right there that are, are all going to try to get touches in this New England offense. I just, you know, I know Rex Burkhead was one of the breakout players last year, a lot of touchdowns. But also remember the first part of that season. What was it Mike? Mike Gillisley had five touchdowns in like the first two games of the season. So Rex Burkhead wasn't even a, a thought on that team until week six or seven. So it, it, New England, they have an uncanny way of showing us the potential on a running back and then us never hearing from him again. You know, it's uh, I, I, I get they, they really like Sony Michelle. He returned to practice today. If, if, and this is a big if right now with a knee injury. If he's healthy, I think he's the guy that you're going to see start to take over that backfield in New England. I just don't know if you could really really put any kind of stock in that, though. Yeah, so the only way that I could counter this argument is that the quarterback of the New England Patriots is 42 years old. Is that accurate? 41. 41. 41. So, you know – uh, not to say that that the kale drinker is uh, is is going to outlast every other quarterback that's ever played the game, and he'll still be amazing and incredible. But perhaps the answer to dealing with and making Tom Brady, you know, the most effective quarterback he can be, is by running, pounding, and destroying the ball. The problem with New England is that Bill Belichick really likes to just keep you completely guessing and he hates fantasy football that's the only thing i can assume you know he is the reason that i would never touch a back from new england because you just don't know who it's going to be i you the name the amount of names that you just listed it almost blows my mind um sony michelle would i take a flyer on him in hopes that you know maybe in the future when tom brady is is gone which i mean i you know not that i'm hoping that that happens sooner than later uh, uh but if it does, when it does, you know, are they going to be able to continue the offense that they've had for, you know, so many years? I'm not so sure. And now that it looks like they're having some wide receiver issues over there with, uh, you know, there's, there's a couple of rumors going around that they're looking for wide receiver help. You really have to wonder if, if maybe running the ball might be a big part of their game plan. And they don't really face very heavy defenses in that, in that division. So, well, I mean – New England in itself is always a question. I mean, like you said, I try to stay away from everything New England. I almost made it through the weekend listening to myself and staying away from everything New England. But I ended up, you know, <laughs> ended up taking Gronk in a league. And I don't know why. I took the, I made the pick and I'm like, well, because he's the, <laughs> he's the best. He is the best fantasy option if you're going to draft anyone from New England. I wouldn't draft Tom Brady this year. I, I just uh, – he's in the similar ilk to LaShawn McCoy. I just feel like when that wall – when the wall is hit, it's going to be hit hard and it's going to be ugly. Um, you know, we saw it with Peyton, uh, Peyton Manning in Denver. 
you know, yeah. when, when he, when he hit it, it was, it got real, real bad, real quick. And I need to tell you, man, almost awkward I've, to watch at times. It was almost I've, awkward to watch Peyton Manning well, throw a football at the, at the end of his career. Tom Brady. Okay. He, he doesn't look awkward throwing yet, but he sure looks awkward every time he steps back in the pocket and anytime you make him move. Right. Yeah. So if the defenses start figuring out a way to make him move around, He's going to have a really tough time doing what he has to do because he he looks like he cannot bend his right knee at all. Yeah, I I, mean, I I don't know about that, but I do agree with you one thing that I think this is the year that we really see New England start to come back to the rest of the pack. I just don't see the 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 offensive explosive ability that they've had. You know, I, right. I don't see that potential there with them. You know, and like I said, let's go back to this. Let's go back to this running back depth chart one more time. Right now, your starter is Rex Burkhead, knee injury. Sonny Michelle, knee injury. James White, constant injury risk. You got Jeremy Hill, who has been a constant underachiever. You got Mike Gillisley, who, like I said, five touchdowns through two games and then didn't touch the ball the rest of the season because of his fumble issues. Then you got Brandon Bolden, who is basically a special teams player, but somehow finds his way into that lineup. There's just so many things there. It just tells me one thing. They don't know really who they want to get behind, which means I don't really want to have any part of any of that. But, I mean, if, if you're drafting in a running back heavy league and sitting there looking at Sony Michelle at the, at the right spot in the draft, or you're sitting there looking at Rex Burkhead, take a flyer on them, but that's, that's a buyer beware, in, in my opinion. That's like you know, pick it, pick at your own risk. You know, I look, I would look for the value. I would try and draft one of those guys late because of the issues that they have going on. And when they come back on the scene and when they blow up one of the 16 games of the season, hopefully your trade deadline hasn't passed dump and run. Yep. Get what you can get what you can, you know, trade, trade high. That is, you know, the, the best easiest way to know how to trade is, after a guy has a huge game, get rid of him. Do not get attached, especially a guy like Rex Burkhead, especially a guy like Sony Michelle. Right. So here's what I gained from this, guys. We talked about four teams. I think we have some clarity, but not a whole heck of a lot. You know, we're <laughs> looking at you know a week out where where teams don't even know exactly who they're going to start or the starter's going to be. No name starters in certain cases, or who the starter is currently on their depth chart isn't a guy that that's even being drafted in some cases. So let's just recap a little bit. Talked about Detroit. Sounds like the only person that, uh, that we're looking at there is carry on Johnson, but don't pay too much for him. Uh, and a theoretic, if you're in a, in a deep sort of flex uh, PPR, PPR league in Indy, you know, the sneaky value there could actually be Kristen Michael. You can get probably get him late and, and just see what happens. And if that situation even flushes out Tampa Bay, was not scary, and then what got scary again. So it's, you know, <laughs> it, looks like, it looks like Peyton Barber could be draftable. Uh, but I guess that is also, just like you said, with, with New England, it's buyer beware. And, you know, Sonny Michelle, if you can get him late, that's your value guy. And, you know, so so I should also mention that I think um, I've taken a player from all of these teams, and none of them were the guys that were just named. So I'm feeling, <laughs> feeling pretty good going in the next week. Well, yeah, that kind of fi- follows your whole draft plan from this weekend, from what I saw from you, buddy. <laughs> so, draft it for next year. Draft it for next year, okay. In in one draft, I my second and third running back are Carryon Johnson and Peyton Barber. Out. So, yeah, we're gonna see how that number two running back position works out All this right. year, and 
And I have a feeling flex isn't going to be working so good either. That's a book that brings us back to Jimmy's point earlier, just because it's, it got a little dicey for you on draft day. You know, you have pieces to move around. You can still make that team competitive. Okay. So we got one more thing for you guys tonight. We've been getting some emails, a couple people been sending us some messages about, you know, I'm in an auction style draft. What would be, what would be some of your tips and strategies to attack the auction draft? So what we're going to do for you right now is, you know, just kind of lay some things out there, how we would attack an auction draft and you know, really give you the ammo that you need to, to just to really dominate an auction style draft. So uh, Mike, I know, I know you've been involved in auction drafting for years. I'm kind of new to it. Um, not really my favorite style, but it, it, it is interesting because you bring that whole financial aspect into it. You know, so give, give me some of the things that you go into draft day for an auction draft thinking. And, you know, what, what are the things that you really like have to be on top of when you go to an auction style draft? Sure. You know, I, I, uh, I took over an auction league a couple of years ago and, and, the greatest part about an auction league is that you can draft any player. You don't have to have the number one pick to get the number one guy. You just have to be willing to spend. Um, but at the same time, you need to be a little frugal. You need to make sure that you're paying attention to what's happening during the draft. And uh, you definitely want to control the board, control the money. So uh, here are a couple tips that I have for you. And it kind of starts right from the beginning. Um, this kind of goes a little bit more for, uh, for the commissioners, uh, more so than just a regular guy drafting. Uh, my advice would be to get an auctioneer. Don't try and run the auction and draft a team at the same time. Uh, trying to do the math, trying to keep track of who's bidding, and trying to bid on a player yourself is very, very difficult. Plus, it opens up the door to, hey, I, I made a bid. I rose my hand, and you said close it up, blah, blah, blah. You don't want to have to deal with that. Get somebody, a friend, somebody, you know, uh, uh, whoever, anyone that, that isn't involved with the league that can come. And, and if you're going to, you know, if you're drafting in a public place, buy them dinner. That's usually what I do is I have a buddy, uh, one of my poker buddies. He comes to the draft every year with his wife. I buy him and his wife dinner. They, they get a free meal out of it and they get to run the league, the, the draft board for me. So it's a win-win for everyone. Now that we've uh, gotten your tips on swinging, why don't we get to the auctioneer? Yeah, no problem. <laughs> So, you know, this pretty much all of the tips that we've gone over in the past couple episodes really do apply. Um, and John can kind of speak to this. You know, you need to you do need to form a strategy for your roster construction. It's so important in any aspect of how you draft. But the cool part in an auction is that you really can stick to that structure. If you want to go really heavy at running back because, the you know, the league really doesn't value, say, uh, PPR very much or it's a regular flex league, um, you know, you can do that. You have the ability to spend a lot of your money, a lot of your capital, uh, your auction capital on just running backs and then fill in the gaps with uh, the wide receivers that you get throughout the course of the, the remainder of the draft. So, so as, as somebody that's new to auction drafting now, like, explain this. Like, you don't have to save money for every position because after the auction rounds are done, there is a snake draft where you could fill in your roster. So if you spend all your money on two or three players, you're still going to get a crack at filling out your roster, right? So for the league that I run, that is how we decided to do it. We, uh, we have a, a, an, auction, uh, an auction limit for 10 players, and then we go into a snake draft to fill out the rest of the team. But there are auction leagues out there that actually draft the entire team, all 16 to 20 players. It depends on what kind of league you're in. They'll do the entire thing auction. They'll increase the size of the, uh, the, the starting bids. In my league, we do $150 for 10 players. 
So just uh, averaging that out, you're looking at an average of $15 per player. And you know you're not going to spend that much money. You're probably going to spend a lot more for your running back one. Uh, you're going to spend a lot more for your wide receiver one. Uh, and then go from there. And that's the whole point. You need to map out tiers. You need to f- basically create a, a roster that you want in your mind. It doesn't have to be an exact roster and you stick to it. And when you run out of money, you just fill in the blanks. Uh, you know, tier it out. If, if you know that you want to get one of the, the first tier of running backs, you want Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, put them in a tier, figure out how much they should go for, depending on, uh, you know, usually what they'll do in a, in a professional, you know, auction value list is they'll show you percentages. So percentage of your auction value, they won't actually show you like a, you know, or they'll show you uh, an amount but that's based on a $150 budget for X amount of players. You have to make sure you look when you're checking your tiers and your, your uh, statistics. All right. So now when you're, when you're going into your auction draft, are you targeting one player and saying, Hey, I'm going to, I have a $150 budget. I'm willing to spend up, up upwards of a third of my budget on this one guy and then build the rest of my team with that, with, with that two thirds. Is that, is that kind of the, the way it's – because that's kind of what it sounds to me. Like you're going to have to pay for a guy like Gurley or Le'Veon Bell or David Johnson. You know? Or do you just go in there with the thought like, hey, I'm going to sit back and let people drain their, drain their budgets on these top three guys, and then I'm going to load up with a couple guys from that second tier. So you're bringing up a really great point. Now, this kind of leads to my, my next set of tips. You know, when it comes to drafting, you know, you're going to definitely want to nominate players eventually it'll be your turn to nominate when it's your turn to nominate don't nominate a player that you actually want you want to nominate good quality players i mean let's take a good example uh john if you're picking in the first round what's a good example of a of a player first second round that you really don't want to draft you're not going to draft him he's on your no draft list so a guy from a guy that i would put up there and it's bear with me here because you know, like i said i'm new to auction drafting a guy that I would actually throw out there in the first or second round, you know, I'm thinking a guy with, with name recognition to get people interested in the draw, right? You, you want people like, I want that name on my team. There's a couple guys that I would kind of bounce back and forth with, you know, mm-hmm. Joe mix, Joe Mixon from Cincinnati. I wouldn't Perfect. want to draft him, but he's got the name recognition. That's going to draw some bidders in, in on that. Or mm-hmm. a guy like Rex Burkhead, because his touchdown value was so great last year. Yeah, that's going to it's going to draw money out of people's budgets to leave me with to leave me to get a guy like Odell Beckham. Exactly. Or DeAndre Hopkins. You know, I've I've thrown some shade at uh, Julio Jones in the past on this uh, uh, on this podcast. And and he's a perfect example of a guy who I would probably nominate because I know for a fact that people are going to spend top dollar for Julio Jones. And I'm not really too interested in having him on my team. Um, and that kind of leads me to one other tip. If you do decide to do this, you decide to go that route of let me nominate players that I don't want. Or if you notice that players that you don't want kind of aren't reaching their potential, so to speak, when it comes to auction values, be really careful about jumping a bid. You know, don't try and get into a bid to get other pay- players to spend more money. You really, really risk getting caught yourself. I, that happened to me with Kelvin Benjamin about two years ago. I just thought that he wasn't going for a big enough amount, so I decided to jump the bid by a dollar, and I got caught. The guy didn't want to didn't want to fight so, for so that extra buck. That, that's a that's a great point. I mean, it, it's like any kind of game of chance, or you know, you really have to read the room and see the 
basically the fortitude of the people in the room with you. Like, are they willing to stick to their guns? Like, I want this guy. I'm willing to go out there and get it. Or are they just throwing money out there because, oh, it'd be nice to have this guy on my team. But if I don't get him, I don't get him. So, just yeah, you just really need to read the room you're in and, like, kind of know the people around you, basically, right? Exactly. You know, and I – you know, I hate to say it, but I've actually learned, you know, from watching those stupid uh, auction uh, TV shows, you know, for the, the, the storage wars or whatever. You know, one of the one of the stupid things that they do that actually does work is uh, jumping a bid to a, a higher level. If you're trying to actually win a bid, let's say you want to get a player and you're trying to get him. You know, if you're if you're fighting dollar for dollar at like, say, OK, 55, 56, 57 jump the bid, go to 65 from 57. And the guy will be so surprised that you did that. He'll freeze and he won't know what to do. And bam, you got him for 65 when you probably could have gone dollar for dollar all the way up to 70 bucks and you save yourself a couple dollars. So maybe think about doing that. But you, again, you got to read the room. You got to know your players. It's almost like playing poker. That's why I, I, I you took I the words right out of my mouth. It took the words right out of my mouth. It just sounds like you're in, you're in a big pot poker hand. You know, you're exactly. just trying to, it's, yeah. Very, very who's, similar. Who's imposing? You're imposing your will on somebody else to get them to do what what you want them to do with their money. Exactly. So. You know, um, and again, trying to round back to uh, the point that you were bringing this up with was: Do you want to spend all your money on one player? I'm not going to tell you not to do that. If you really want to get Saquon Barkley on your team, if you really want to get Todd Gurley on your team, and you're willing to spend a, a really good amount of money to do that, then go ahead and do it, man. You know, I mean, the truth is, at the end of a draft, you're still going to have to draft. There's, depending on the rules of your league, you, you are going to have to save enough money to draft, the, you know, to fill out the rest of your, of your, uh, your roster. You're going to have to save at least a dollar per person to nominate. And what's going to happen is you'll nominate a person for a dollar, and eventually everybody's going to say, I just don't have the room or no, I don't want that person and they'll end up on your team. And sometimes you can end up with decent players by, by doing that, you know, just by knowing your sleepers, knowing, you know, really knowing the bottom half of a draft, you know, it's, it's amazing how much by prepping for just a regular serpentine draft, you can uh, use those tiers that, that tier, that tier knowledge to, to fill out a roster at the end of an auction, you know, so, my advice would be save more than just a dollar. You know, you want to be able to jump somebody's dollar bid if you really want to get a player. If, you know, if you decide to wait, like my advice, again, lots of advice. When I'm nominating, I usually don't spend a lot of money on quarterback. And normally when I'm nominating, I nominate the big name quarterbacks. I'm not going to spend $75 for Aaron Rodgers when I could have all these other running backs and great wide receivers. I'd rather get, I, I'm telling you, I saw it happen last year. Aaron Rodgers went for $75 last year in my, in my one league and Russell Wilson, who was the top scoring quarterback went for 25. And that's mainly because everybody had spent their money already. There was not enough money to keep bidding up the quarterbacks. That's why you got to bid up those big players early and have people hammer them as hard and often as they can. So they spend all their money and you end up getting all the value. Yeah, that's a great point. So, I mean, we've talked about this with the quarterback position numerous times on previous episodes, you know, there is value to be had with quarterbacks in the mid to late rounds. So especially like in an auction draft, when you have to actually put money out of your budget for that quarterback, you want to get the best value you can for your dollar. So maybe it, maybe it is smart to let a guy like Aaron Rodgers go off the board for, you know, 25% of your budget and land a guy like, I don't know, Philip Rivers for $5. You know, that's the perfect example. If you were going to ask me who, who would be a, a quarterback that you would target with a low, you know, a low bid, something like a $5 bid, 
that would be the perfect example. A guy like Phillip Rivers, who's definitely going to finish in the top 10 by the end of the year, but he's going to cost a tenth of what it would cost to get Aaron Rodgers, maybe even less. I mean, that's the perfect example. And if you really have trust in some of the rookie quarterbacks out there, like Pat Mahomes, I doubt anybody's going to spend a lot of money on a rookie quarterback. So, I mean, if it depends, again, it depends on your roster limits. It depends on how you construct your team. But if you want to take a chance on a rookie like Mahomes and then back him up with somebody who's definitely less than stellar, say like an Eli Manning, but you know he's going to get his points, you know, just a steady stream, nothing crazy. I mean, that's the way to do it. You can get Eli Manning for for a dollar. You can probably get Pat Mahomes for less, you know, for not less, but for about the same price. And there you go. It's it's risk reward there. I mean, if you're risking a dollar, any kind of production is reward. Now, if you're going out there and you're you're spending fifty dollars on Aaron Rodgers, he needs to be the cornerstone of your team. Yeah, right. If am I right? Like, if you're spending fifty dollars on a quarterback, he's got to put up thirty three percent of your points every week. Exactly, and I can tell you right now that if you know. If you did decide to go that route, you really wanted to have Aaron Rodgers on your team. It's not like the end of the world. It's not like you're you're going to end up with garbage the rest of the draft. You know, again, you really need to I'm telling you right now, go to whatever site you use to get your cheat sheet or your list from. It's more important to me uh, in an auction league to not just get a list of players ranked one through 50 get the tiers literally find like the groupings where they literally put everyone together in one group. And then they show another group of players and another group of players, because as you cross those names off out of those tiers, you know, Oh my goodness. Like if I go, if I go past the two top tiers, like I'm really left with a bunch of garbage. You can estimate how much you think a third tier running back can score you know, a, a third tier running back to me would be somebody like a carry on Johnson and a, a Peyton Barber or something like that. And, you know, you're not going to put them up there for 10 points a week uh, as an average, you know, uh, I mean, you're hoping that that's what's going to happen, but you don't know for sure. That's why they're in that third tier. Whereas the first tier you're hoping for a lot of points. So I, I, I was reading a little bit, you know, a little bit of draft strategy for auctions. And one of the guys I was reading was saying, you almost want to treat it as do- a dollar for a point. Like you want to spend the amount of dollars on a person as what you think they can get you a week in points. Now I thought that was a little crazy, but you know, based on some of these wacky scoring systems out there, like PP, you have a PPR and then you have distance touchdowns and you have, you know, um, there's all kinds of different, uh, you know, bonuses for players now. So mm-hmm. I, I guess you could have a running back getting you like, I think 30 points from a running back is like a once a year thing for the most right. part. But they're saying, yeah, $30, dollar a point. Try to build your team that way. I'm like, well, if I'm building my team a dollar a point, I mean, I, I'm going to have like 30 bucks left over at the end of, at the, end of the auction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it's and, – and let me tell you something, man. If, if you have a whole, bunch of, uh, a whole bunch of dollars left over by the end of the auction, you know, I would look at it both ways. I would look at it as both, yeah, you were frugal, but maybe you should have taken a couple chances. You know, so definitely keep track of how much money you have, how much money everyone else has. And if you notice that you have all the money, that you have control of the board, identify what players at that point you want on your team. Because guess what? Nobody can stop you. They're your players. Absolutely. That's that's pretty much all I got, John. I mean, you know, other than that, keep a cool head. I I know, like I said, a a lot of websites are going to tell you, you know, don't drink during an auction draft. You know, don't be poppycock. uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> Personally, listen, do what you got to do. You don't want to get ridiculous, but I mean, you know, that's kind of ridiculous. Uh, and, and then you hear like, oh, don't eat before the draft because you don't want to have to go to the bathroom in the middle of it. Like that, guys, those those tips are stupid. <laughs> OK, yeah, let's, let's put it this way. Most of us that are doing fantasy football, we're doing it to have fun with our friends and, and win a little money. But mainly it's bragging rights. It's like it's what you talk about all year leading in the football season. Draft day, like, we, ha- we have a live draft still. We're one of the few people that don't do it online. We, we, in, the years, in the last couple of years, we've added the online feature for guys that have moved out of state. But, you know, this, week, this weekend at our draft, we had 10 guys, you know, hanging out, eating food, drinking beer, talking football. That's really what it comes down to with, with fantasy football. It's something to do with your friends. Have a good time doing it. Win a couple bucks. But, but mostly, like, have a good time and learn the sport. I mean, I've had people, you know, that have never watched football join a fantasy football league, and then they get hooked. And next thing you know, they're season ticket holders for the Giants. They're winning leagues. They're starting podcasts. You know. <laughs> who are you it's, talking about? <laughs> I don't – I have no idea who I'm talking about, Michael Giannetti. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe it's me. I don't know. Maybe. We don't know. Maybe. But, uh, you know – Yeah, you it, created a monster, that's for sure. All of, all of these, like, pre-draft ritual tips, just – do what you do. Have fun. Go into your draft with your strategy. And like we've told you before, if your strategy gets messed up, bounce back and forth off it. But stay to a loose pattern on building, building your team, whether it's in your standard snake draft or it's in an auction draft. Go in with, with a loose construction of how you want your team to look. Maybe not tie player names to it, but you know, tie that general concept of how you want to build your team. I, I've given this tip before, I think. I try to build my teams like a pyramid. I try to get my running back. I try to make that the base of the pyramid. I try to make that a a strength and just build everything up from the top of that. And, you know, tight ends, kickers, defenses, they're all the way at the top because they're not going to carry my team in points. So I need the the strong foundation at running back. Then, you know, another solid foundation in the second level at receiver, that middle part, you know, kind of pulling everything together is a quarterback that's going to get me solid points. You know, so and then and then you, you round out your team with your special teams players and your and your tight ends. But just go into your draft with a loose concept of how you want your team to look, and more often than not, you'll you'll follow you'll be able to follow along as the draft moves you. Yeah, I agree. It's that's definitely the best way to draft for sure. So, and like I said, whether it's auction or snake, have that plan, stick to that plan, and more importantly, know what's going on, know your surroundings, know the people you're drafting with, and know tendencies. If you know what's going on, it's going to make your decision a lot easier and you're going to get caught off guard less. And if you're not caught off guard, you're not going to make those bad, those bad uh, desperation picks. Yep. So, Mike, I think that's all we got for everybody tonight. So, um, you know, we, we touched on a lot of stuff tonight. If you guys want to get in touch with us, if it's your first time hearing us, you can always find us, follow us on Twitter at Hot Seat Podcast One. You know, if you're listening, listening to us on Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe button. Or, uh, you know, shoot us an email at hotseatffbpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.